0: in the church of baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isadora Duncan. I know things. For instance, there are 108 beads in a Catholic rosary and there are 108 stitches in a baseball. When I learned that, I gave Jesus a chance. I've tried them all. I really have. And the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the Church of Baseball.
1: A couple months ago when I was working on the NAIA preseason rankings, I was compiling a list of the top teams in each conference, and I distinctly remember looking at the Sooner Athletic Conference and thinking, okay, uh, Oklahoma City needs to be on the list, Science and Arts too, obviously, and I'm thinking, is there anyone else that I need to do a deep dive on? Uh, Maybe Texas Wesleyan or Wayland Baptist, maybe. So to double check, I I go to the the conference website and I look at last season's final standings. And the team which had finished third wasn't any of those. It was Sagu, S-A-G-U. And I'm thinking, like, really? That's a Bible school. S-A-G-U is Southern Assemblies of God University. And that's not a team that typically finishes in the top spots of the standings. They're traditionally a team that doesn't even finish in the top half of the standings. And I'm thinking to myself, do do I really need to research these guys? And the quick reply back was, no. No way. There's no way Southern Assemblies of God University is going to be a team in the preseason national rankings. Um, Whatever happened last year had to be an aberration. And I was wrong. They are good. They're they're very good. They're currently first place in their conference. They swept three games from Science and Arts earlier this season, who's traditionally just absolutely bulldozed them. And they're probably going to set the school record for wins once again. Now, had I looked at what was going on at Sagu over the past four years collectively, instead of just the previous season, along with making judgment on my preconceived notion of who they were, Uh, I may have had the insight to give them a little closer look because there's an undeniable change from where that program was five years ago as to where it is today. In 2017 and 2018, the Lions had a combined 27-68 record. They weren't terrible, but that's certainly not good. That's, That's borderline really, really bad. To paint a more telling picture of how unsuccessful the program has been historically, They had never finished a season with a winning record until 2020. And I'm not sure how long the program has been in existence because the records online are a little wonky, but it's been at least since 2005. Now, in 2019, Salviro hired a new coach, Matt Cornichone, who has been the catalyst for the change for their on-field fortunes. He had successfully turned around a team before when he was the head coach at NIAC, a Division II program outside of New York. When he first arrived there, they went from winning a total of 12 games over his first two seasons to a much more respectable 24-24-1. Chone's success at Sagu was immediate. In his first year, they won a score record 26 games, and that record would be bested once again in each of the next two complete seasons, as Sagu won 29 games in 2021 and 36 games last season. Last year, they also had their first winning record in Sooner Athletic Conference play, in advance of the National Christian Collegiate Athletic Association World Series for the first time in program history. Now, all that alone made me interested in talking with Coach Cornichone as a guest. But there's another aspect of what he has accomplished with his team that makes it even more compelling. Sagu is not a typical college, it's a private Christian university, which is the reason for that clip from Bull Durham at the beginning of this. Baseball and religion are intertwined at Sagu. Now, it's not only a Christian university, but one in Texas, deeply entrenched in the Bible belt. It's an extremely conservative school with a Bible-centered curriculum. It's definitely not for a lot of people. They don't allow profanity, drinking alcohol, or even being around it. Rated-R movies are prohibited, so you can not even watch Bull Durham on campus. And single students can't be in the residences of others who are the opposite sex. Even dancing is regulated. To me, it sounds kind of like the town where the, the, the movie Footloose took place. Basically, doing a lot of things which I look forward to the most in college are strictly prohibited there. As a result, that really, really, really narrows down your pool of potential players, even if you're located in the heart of evangelical country. That makes what Coach koenig has accomplished even more fascinating. He's taken down some pretty big targets with limited ammunition. Now, quick side note. This is just a silly baseball podcast. The school has some very conservative beliefs which I would not be comfortable with. This podcast is not the place to discuss the school's beliefs on religion or political issues and I certainly shouldn't be the moderator of any such discussion. We touched on these topics a little bit during our conversation because it is an unavoidable topic when considering recruiting and the types of players they have on campus, but we pretty much stuck to baseball. Here's my conversation with Matt Cornichown, head baseball coach at Southern Assemblies of God University to say that i am shocked and i, I don't mean this as an insult i am, i am shocked that you guys are doing as well as you are this year would be an understatement i knew that you had had a strong finish last season but i truly thought it was an aberration
0: sure i sure. did
1: not con- think that you would continue your success into the new year
0: well i mean that's kind of that's kind of how it works at the nai level is you, you, you can't just be good you got to kind of be good for more than one year you know and it's just i mean i think it's small school baseball in general you just kind of have to build a reputation for yourself yeah so
1: i went through you guys's record book last night and i specifically looked up how you guys had compared against science and arts in your matchups over the last decade do you have any idea <laughs> aside from aside from this year how well you guys have fared against them
0: I only know of one time that they've defeated Science and Arts before I got here. And I know that, you know, I had talked to Coach Ross right after. And I was like, well, it's it's taken us five years to actually defeat you guys one time, you know. So we played some close games with them in, in 2021 and in 2022. Uh, we played with them for like half a game in 2019, <laughs> sure. my yeah. first year. But uh, they would, you know, their lineup was just so deep that they would just, you know, third time through. That's what we always said is they would just. I don't want to say slaughterers, but that's what would happen third time through the order. It would no longer be a game, you know? Yeah, so, no. And you,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Over the last 10 years, the Lions record against the Drovers has been 1-24. in um, <laughs> and, 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 and I don't mean this, you know, like to kind of rub it in, but um, and, and this, is, um, this is kind of, a, a you know, just given the context of what's going on with you guys, is that of those 24 losses, 14 of those losses were double digits.
0: Yeah, I believe it. So <laughs> I believe it.
1: So I bring that up, like as I said, in context, and just to kind of put the events of what early of what happened in early March of this year, you guys swept them and earned three wins against them, and which is completely unprecedented for your program. So this is kind of right. an open-ended question, but what is going on down there?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I I credit the three things, right? So like when I came here, I'd say three things stick out for us. I'd say first thing is our administration wanted us to be good at baseball and uh every school's limited in terms of budget and we're no different but it was almost like here's what we want to do to raise money and the response has always been go for it you know and so they've been very supportive with us with that and supportive with us with you know competitive scholarships compared to when i first started and i'd say uh secondly it comes down to coaching staff and continuity so I've basically had the same coaching staff my last four years. You know, I have uh, Chris. I'll just briefly talk about these guys—just two of them—but I have four of them that have been with me for a while. But Chris Semperin played at uh, Dallas Baptist, played at UTSA, played some professional baseball. He does our infield, and he does our uh, our hitters. And he's tremendous. He, he's not only knowledgeable, but he holds the guys to a standard. And then Cliff Bartosh is a—he's been our pitching coach for three of the past five years, and he's three years of of big league experience as a pitcher, and he's worked as an affiliate-level strength coach. So our our coaching staff is huge for the development of our guys and the retention of our program. And I'd say the last thing comes down to not just the caliber of players, but the quality of players and their families that are, you know, behind them. And and when guys understand family dynamics, they understand team dynamics, and it's, you know, helped us to get off to – a good start, you know, and it's helped us build as a program when you understand relationships and you understand how you're supposed to treat each other and how you're supposed to treat your opponent and how you're supposed to, you know, do the best you can, everything you do. So I'd say those three things really is kind of what's gotten us off to, you know, or helped us enable us to change the last five years way we have.
1: Sure. Now the the last thing you mentioned is is something I wanted to actually kind of get into. So when it comes to recruiting, especially Mm -hmm. at the NAIA level or D2 where you were previously, how much does character come into play? Have there have there been instances where you thought like I really like to have this guy in a diamond? He's 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 a, he's a beast and be great in our lineup, but I'm just not sure if he's maybe the best fit for the team.
0: Yeah, you know, so our school is so specific. Uh, being being a Assembly School, we're very specific about what we are, you know, and we're very black and white. And so usually going through the application process and conversations about what we are. You know, I I hate to say it this way, but I would rather be straight up with somebody right away and say, okay, this person is not a fit for us than have them come here and leave after two weeks or leave after the semester because now we're in a a really bad spot. So for me, I'd rather pass on a kid who doesn't fit, you know, the college experience that we offer than bring somebody in who's not a fit. And then all of a sudden they're clashing with the school, they're clashing with me. And I I always tell guys, like, look, the school's been around for a long time. You may not like every rule because nobody likes every rule of any school they're at but you may not like it but it's not going to change for you you know And it's like i was talking about putting a circle block in a square hole you know and if we try and force something it's not going to be good they're going to be miserable we're going to be miserable so for me we try and be straightforward with what we are and we try to um be upfront about that so everybody understands what we stand for what our institution stands for and you know being in texas too that's the other difference i think you know coaching in the northeast coaching in texas there's i mean it's bible belt you know and so we have a lot of kids from texas a lot of kids who have some kind of some uh faith background coming in and we have different you know backgrounds different denominations in our in our program but you know texas is a little bit different just because church is a little more part of the culture than it is in other areas of the country you know
1: yeah and that was another thing again this is this is kind of folding in great to kind of the questions i wanted to ask you about i mean your school i mean sagu the g obviously stands for god um you know and that is a big part of your campus and your culture and especially where you are geography wise and i know that the school itself as you've mentioned has some kind of black and white rules about things um it's been noted as being more conservative than others so i was a question i was going to ask are there other people of other faiths on your school H- how does that work out
0: i always tell guys going through like the process this is what we are and if you would like a different style of college experience, um, I used to – because I've been, I've been in yeah. Christian college baseball at the NAI or D2 level for – I said this to to my wife today. I was like, it's been over half my life. When you count my time as a player and you count my time as a as a, as a coach, it's over half my life. So, you know, it's um, – anybody who doesn't, you know, fit what we're looking to do, I don't fault them. We don't judge them. It's just that but this is what we are, you know. And so – uh, it is It is. It is black and white. Um, you do have to, you know, be a professing Christian in order to be accepted into our institution. Um, you know, like I said, but it, for me, it just comes down to being straight up with people about what our school is, about what our program is. And, and you know, those, those hard conversations, man, I'd rather have them out the gate. And uh, it's, I used to say this is just like. A no is as good as a yes, because for us from a recruiting perspective, the moment when somebody yeah. says no, it's like, hey, good luck to you, because you just never know where things end up with them, with you in the future. And, um, and then it, it frees you up to move on to the next guy, you know, and, and, and continue the search. And, you know, I always tell people, too, like, we're going to recruit until the first day of the second semester, and we will continue to try and bring as many talented players as possible that fit what we're looking to do. Uh, that fit our in institution until it's, until you know it's like the semester starts. It's kind of the, the beauty of the NAI, which is you have that flexibility to um, try and get guys whether from the portal or whether from transfers or whether they're guys who are trying to get eligible in the first semester. You know we have we have some flexibility, and you know for me from a recruiting standpoint, I'd say everything that I did prior to coming to Texas. You know, I, I when I was in New York, I used to recruit Texas. I used to recruit Florida. I used to recruit California, Arizona. And I come to Texas and yeah. while we have a couple of California transplants, we recruit Texas, you know, and, and from a, uh, from, from a faith standpoint, you know, down here, uh, just because of where we're at, like I said, it doesn't really, um, I don't want to say it doesn't factor in, but it ha- it's been, it's not really been an obstacle. It's been more of, uh, it's been more of, I- I'd say it narrows our recruit- recruiting a lot quicker and it makes the conversations and being able to take the next steps with crews a lot quicker. And and we we when kids come here on a visit during the school year, we haven't go to chapel. Uh, we haven't experienced what the institution is. We aren't you know trying to be anything other than straight up about what we are. And and that helps them too because this is what they're signing up for, you know. And our chapel is very much a non denominational th- kind of experience. Um, but I, I I think it adds value. I, I think like I said, it uh, speaking truth in people's lives adds value. But it comes down to like I said, what your um beliefs are coming in what your background is coming in okay. and
1: yeah that makes sense and
0: being straight up out will be our process a lot faster a lot quicker. now
1: um now i understand your decision to become the head coach at sagu wasn't so much of a choice uh as it was a necessity can you t- can you tell me a-, a little bit about the circumstances that pushed yeah. you from your previous post down to texas
0: yeah right Right. So, you know, we, i spent nine years at NIAC and, uh, NIAC college, which was D two and, uh, central Atlanta collegiate conference and worked for I mean, he's Dr. Keith Davey right now. And I, and I, it was tremendous for me. They gave me an opportunity. Uh, I was in the conference. Um, I moved there for grad school and I was in the conference already sports information director, got the job as head coach and sports permission director was there for nine years and heading into my 10th year. I was like, man, this is the best team I've coached, you know, and I have all this talent and all these positions and, you know, the school was going to transition from upstate New York, about 30 minutes north of New York City, into, you know, the Battery Park campus in Manhattan, which I still think to this day is a very unique experience. And, and, it, and it's a great um, uh, there's great people at that institution. Um, it's Alliance University. Now they changed the name as well from Niagara college to Alliance University. But, you know, they're relocate, relocating into Manhattan. And for me, my wife was actually working in the city. Uh, but I was commuting up to New York and we had uh, a one year old and uh, we had, our our youngest is on the way, you know, at that point. And um, so we're two kids sure. commuting to Manhattan, <laughs> small college baseball salary, you know. And so for us, we, we, we started to look at other opportunities. And, you know, I don't want to tell you we've given up, but we basically said, like, hey, we're we're going to be here. So we'll be prepared for the transition. We're going to make this work. And um, we're in my wife's ultrasound. And of course I'm, it's, I've already done this before. So it's no big deal. So I've already had a kid I've already been in the ultrasound it's no big deal. So we're, <laughs> yeah. we're sitting there and I'm scrolling through my phone as any good husband would do. <laughs> and I come across the, the sagu job. And, uh, and so I, I, her thing was always don't move me to the middle of nowhere, you know? <laughs> you know? So I said, Hey, it's 30 minutes south of Dallas. And, uh, so we ended up applying that day uh coming down here two weeks later and, and moving to texas about you know uh four weeks after we applied so it was quick there wasn't much of a decision involved just because you're just trying to do what's in the best interest of your family and you know when I, we looked at the at, at sagu my my question was okay well baseball struggled but basketball is nationally ranked volleyball is competitive uh football is nationally ranked so what is what is the disconnect? You know, and uh my current assistant Chris, who handles our infield and in, and in, in hitters, um, he was here for two years with with Sam Blackman. So I called him, and I said, Well, what do you think? And he and basically he told me he's like, I think it has a lot of potential. I think there's a lot of work to be done. And he was actually coaching at Mountain View at the time. But he believed that and he's always believed um that we could get to this point as a program but he believed that that we could be competitive here and so after my first year chris joined the staff along with along with cliff but yeah and it's and it's been it's been really good and it's been great for our family yeah. i love living in texas i love not wearing a heavy jacket all the time uh i i, I loathe the 40 degree baseball game now yeah, perfect but like when i was yeah in, that's game you day know, new york it was like hey it's 40 let's go play <laughs> Yeah, game day, yeah. So I don't miss that at all. Uh, I think we're looking at like 75, 76 uh, this weekend. Um, you know, Texas has some other challenges, some other things that are different with the wind comparatively to the Northeast. I mean, every day I can tell you what the wind report is when we play. Um, but, you know, I don't miss the cold. I don't miss, uh, you know, there's just when you have your own field. And we had a had a good situation where we were running a uh, professional stadium for our games. But when you have your own field, there's just a different level of, how much you can move the needle you know and so for us down here the work that we've been able to do we've been able to make some strides a lot of it has to do like i said with that continuity and uh, being creative and figuring out ways how to improve everything and that's from covering our indoor facility to um which has been probably the biggest thing we've done building our own weight room all this kind of thing so we've we've been able to um uh, hit the ground running and um it's it's been really good and it's been like i said it's been a a tremendous move for my family tremendous move for um you know like i said what what i thought this would be and what it actually is it's it's i feel very blessed by it
1: now you you spoke on some of the things um a minute ago about what i was going to ask next as to now now the, the baseball program it wasn't it wasn't terrible you guys, they weren't the bad news bearers you know stumbling around but obviously they needed some improvement you've mentioned a couple things already that you did uh, kind of to to implement kind of the change and get things going um can you talk about some other stuff that you kind of come in and said all right this is what we need to do in order to be successful what are some of those initial changes that you that you made when sure. you arrived
0: well well so it's i don't want to tell you it's uh <laughs> I don't want to tell you it's aggressiveness, but that's part of it too. You know, um, it's, it was mine it's a, a lot of mindset. Um, you know, when I first got hired, I, I said, well, we're not going to try and play the same game as everybody else. We're going to try and play our brand of baseball. You know, I, I picked up a lot of things um, and, and and not just from, you know, my current coaching staff that, that have helped us, but from previous grad assistants as well. Um, when I was in New York, I, I picked up stuff, a lot of stuff from, uh the, the, the coach who coached my coach in college, Coach Hudak, uh who was head coach at Winthrop for a long time, we you know, we're able to take a lot of his um we do a ton of situational inner squad. Uh I, I'm a big believer in practicing playing versus practicing practicing. I'd say that I'd separate my career into two components, years one through uh years one through seven where we practice practicing, you know, and then years eight through now, which is in the fall, we practice playing. Um we do a ton of one pitch in our squad. We do a ton of, uh, you know, defensive situations. It just repeats. And, you know, we teach guys how to play and how to use terminology and how to communicate and where everybody should be. Uh, I'd say that's a huge component of it. So, so doing that and the other, the other part of it, you know, was the competitive part, which is everything from, this is the way we do things. And this is how we compete. And, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to fail, we're going to fail aggressively. You know, Um, I was, I still talk about this, our guys now, which is like, If you're trying not to make a mistake, you're going to make a mistake. So, like, if we're going to fail, like, let's fail with our foot on the gas pedal, you know. And uh, I think that had a lot to do with it, too. And the other thing, too, like I said, like, when you – the game is very simple. You can make a mistake every inning, and you're fine if you respond to that mistake. If you can get a double play after a walk. Uh, or if you can get a base hit after a strikeout, like, the game is very simple if you play it together, right? And so trying to teach guys to play team baseball, um, trying to teach people to, to be good at parts of the game, everything from holding runners to picks to, to bunting for hits, like, there's certain parts of the game where, hey, this is the skill set you're dealt in terms of this is your talent level. And now it's, okay, how do I use that, and how do I come up with some kind of offensive um game plan with our current skill set because like I said I could be like hey we were, We want to steal bases or, or we want to hit home runs but if that doesn't fit our skill set you know then we're not going to have much success so trying to identify what your team does and what our team does well every year and trying to play to those strengths and and, and individually what are those players trying to do um, and what should they be trying to do Yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with uh, a lot to do with that if that makes sense.
1: Your success at is Sagu isn't this isn't the first time you've kind of rewrite it a, a ship. <laughs> it, 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 it was what you did in IAC basically the kind of same thing that you did there or was there any sort of differences in what you needed to do to restore well, the
0: programs? I, ha- I had to lose a lot more there to learn. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> <If> sure, <laughs> no, sense. yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, yeah, so I, as I, I, maybe this was just me, but you know, I, I get the job as head coach and I think that, hey, like I know everything. That I'm going to be awesome right away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I and I really felt like there was nothing more the game could teach me. And goodness, oh my gosh, could sure, sure. Yeah, and I, you know, my and, and it's funny, man. I I had some really good coaches in our, in our in our conference, and unfortunately for me, like I've had to learn a lot uh from those losses, you know. But I learned a lot from Richie and Eddie at Dominican, who's you know an institution there. Uh Brian August at Wilmington. Wilmington University uh, who's a tremendous coach there and you look at okay why are these coaches successful and then you're trying to mimic certain parts of the program that they do and and why they're beating you and trying to apply that in hindsight to to your programs moving forward so you know I learned a lot from those guys from competing against them for nine years too also it being a wooden bat league kind of forced us into Learning how to do certain things well, because all nine years I was in—actually, you know, the, the two years prior was just all eleven years I was in—not um, in, in New York in that area of the country. It was—it was with that, so we were forced to learn certain small ball aspects of the game uh, because you got to be really creative to generate runs uh, when you start talking about wooden bat college baseball. So, uh, especially you add you know those forty degree temperatures too. It's not exactly—it's yeah. um, a different game. It's, a different <laughs> it's not game. exactly yeah it's not the wind blowing out oklahoma city but you know my 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 first two years um you know we really struggled and um yeah, i was learning not just uh how to coach but how to recruit you know and how to recruit to our institution jason beck who's at montreat right now who was at southeastern when i started at NIAC, he was successful at NIAC. but yeah, he finished six years he was coaching against me my senior year of college at uh, geneva college and um So I I, I knew him a little bit. So when I got hired, he contacted me. And it took me a few years to apply what he was telling me about. This is how you recruit to this institution. And for us, you know, in the Northeast, because it was, you know, hard, a little bit harder to find fits for what what we were doing institutionally there uh, compared to down here in the South. So we, you know, I I, I tried to follow the model that he followed, you know. Uh, So the recruitment part of it was um, a huge component of it. And then, like I said, it's just it was learning. Um, retroactively I don't want to say how not to win games but learning why you're getting yeah. beat you know yeah. and uh, and so we were able to get good athletes my third year and we just kind of let them run free you know I think we finished second or third nationally in, in stolen bases with like 180 we had John Kennedy who was a tremendous uh, baseball player in our conference for four years uh, up there and um, a couple other kids who could run too and you know we, I don't slight anybody from that program but uh, you know that we had, I think we started like seven or eight, six or seven freshmen and everybody else was, was, was relatively young as well. And man, you know, we kind of let a couple of people off, off guard by that, but we were able to steal some bags. We were able to, to bump for hits. We were able to, and we got two, we had two good pitchers from the year before, uh, that just won, lost a lot of close games, but you know, there's some, there's some similarities, um, I guess when, when, you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many people said to me at NIAC and same thing they said to me at SAGU, which is like, you don't know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's just, everybody's an expert until you spend a day in that program. Then you start to learn it. And I, I described like this, my boss describes it here, Dr. Goddard described it the same way, which is like every program is a puzzle and you just have to figure out how you solve it. And you, you can apply certain tenants from certain programs. Uh, but down here, big thing was, you know, finding local kids versus up there, which was finding kids who are further away. You know, there's a ton of schools up in uh, that area of the country in New York. I mean, we had St. Thomas Aquinas College. We had Dominican College all within five minutes of each other. Like we are all right next to each other. And so if you're recruiting off in that same pocket of New York kids who can contribute and compete at the Division II level, it becomes very narrow very quickly, you know. And, um, so I, like I said, I'd say the recruiting aspect and, and really it's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I would say continuing to move forward despite current discouragement, I'd say was the, was the biggest thing. There was a time, my first, uh, fall here where I was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, like I was like, I've never seen so many infielders get hit in the ankle by, by relay yeah. throws just on like missed, you know? um and so we we were very fortunate we picked up about five or six kids at the break my first year and while like i said they were not you know science and arts level um players you know they helped us compete you know and so we started to make that turn and and we got off to a pretty good start in 2022 uh, 2020 covid year as well and then 2021 we we had an influx of freshmen it was kind of our first full recruiting cycle with two full-time people here myself and, and Cliff Bartosh. And then, uh, in 2022, a lot of those guys were sophomores, Ethan Norris, Michael Watson are sophomores kind of hitting stride. And so we have a lot of four year guys right now. Um, but like I said, that continuity, you know, and you know, we have multiple four year guys. I think I might have a, I have a fifth year guy. I have one fifth guy, fifth year guy remaining in the program, um, who's, who remembers what it was like that first fall. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say it's a lot of things, but it's really, like I said, it's it's trying to solve that puzzle uh, anywhere you are in terms of what it takes to be you know, competitive, what it takes to be successful at each institution, because they're all so different. You sure. Know?
1: Now, when it comes to recruiting and, and finding those pieces of, of the puzzle that you need to be successful, um, this season in particular, you guys are very strong on the mound. Is that a tactical decision, right. or is that something that just kind of worked its way out?
0: Well, so it, there's a guy, there's a guy, Bill Finley, who was coach Mississippi State. He ended up at NIAC for like two years, but you know, I, I uh, he was a tremendous recruiter. And so when I talked to him about you know what he was doing for women's soccer, and he told me he's like, "Dude, recruiting's a numbers game. Don't assign more to any player than what they are. This is a numbers game. Don't forget you're playing a numbers game." You know, so for us, we're looking for on level talent, and you know, if we get enough guys who, you know, I don't want to say. Uh, I've seen guys jump from 82 to, to, to 88. Um, but if you get enough guys in mid-80s out of high school that are projectable, that are athletic, you know, you're going to have some guys develop. Um, and, I, and I feel really confident with, with our pitching coach right now. Um, and, and, and like I said, I, I think even in you know, IAC we're able to develop some pitchers. And I think the biggest thing is consistency, right? You get the right kid who's committed to working, who has some humility, who can make adjustments when they fail. Who can accept constructive criticism? Um, but man, you know Ethan Norris is, has been really good for us. Michael Watson's been been really good for us. Um, and those guys out of high school were not highly recruited guys. Um, Michael had some looks. He was about he was eighty four, eighty five. Um, he's you know he's eighty seven to ninety now from the left side. And Ethan Norris, same thing. He's you know eighty seven, eighty nine. He was I think in his tryout he was like eighty two. In uh, 2020 of May, <laughs> so like those guys have really you know made strides and, and developed, and it's a credit to them and the work they've put in. Um, and they've you know they've been the anchor. They've both been the anchor for our, for our pitching staff on um, the last two years. And um, it's and you know we've added some pieces. Reagan Smith healthy this year, and Michael Hickeys or Matthew Hickey's a transfer. Um, and both those guys have been huge assets for us. Kate Hendricks stepped up and done a job on at finishing games as well. But it's more, like I said, it's, it's consistency and it's continuity and it's getting people who want to learn, who want to improve, who can make adjustments and who are, and, and this is probably the biggest thing in, of all, which is that are extremely competitive, you know? And, um, cause I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> I've seen guys and, and who are throwing low to mid eighties, but compete like crazy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, refuse to, who can make big pitches in big spots. And, uh who the moment's not too big for, and there's there's no, you know, fear of anything except, you know, just trying to crush people out there on the mound. And I, I think that competitive mindset, um, coupled with the other things, is, is probably the biggest component. But, but yeah, it's... If you can't strike, I always say this is in the Sooner Athletic Conference, with the way the wind blows in Texas, if you can't strike people out, you're going to be in trouble. Because at some point, somebody's running into a barrel. You know, we play Wayland Baptist this weekend. I'm sure you've seen them on... Instagram or TikTok or whatever, but you know, the diesel kid is a is a monster, you know. And so, if you put a thirty mile an hour wind at his back, he's gonna hit it like seven hundred feet, you know. So you gotta be able to strike guys out, and you have to be strong on the mound uh, to win in our league, and um, and and offensively, you, you you've got to find those barrels as well, you know. And I think that uh, I'd say that would be your primary thing because if you can pitch, even for my first year, one of the reasons we were able to to try and to able to start the tournament was I had Augie Augie Martinez who was um a solid starter. I had Ben Bills who transferred in who was a solid starter and I had Logan Man who transferred in uh from niac as well who was a reliever. So I was like, hey, I have two starters and a reliever and we play a three game set. So I'm gonna have at least, I know, and we and we won a couple of the other games as well, but I have at least a chance to win two out of three, you know. So if you're not strong on the mound, uh, my wife refers to everybody else's backup dancers. <laughs> She's like, "You have pitchers and you have backup dancers. and and and, it, and there's a lot of truth to that. It's really hard to compete if you're not strong on the mound. So I'd say that's that's our foundation. And 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 if you can be good there first, and you know, in terms of the investments you make in guys, if you can have depth there, if you can have, I think you need four to five um, starters when it comes down to the tournament. You know, in our conference, in most tournaments too. Um, if you have four to five good starters. In three quality arms in the bullpen, you know you are going to have a chance. Um, but I don't think you can ever have enough pitching, man.
1: <laughs> no, uh, no, unquestionably not. Now, uh, I have one more question for you, and I absolutely loathe this question because it's so everyone asks it. Sure. If college baseball didn't exist, what do you think you'd be doing with your
0: time? <laughs> well, I uh, it's funny. So there was a, a one year gap, I think, where I wasn't coaching college baseball, and uh, I remember. A couple things. One, I remember waking up every day, and I and I was teaching in in Maryland, actually in Montgomery County, Maryland, and it was good school, Farquhar Middle School. It was great school, good people there. Uh, but I wake up every day and be like, "Why am I teaching math? I'm not good at math. <laughs> I don't like math." But here I am teaching math. So I wake up in the morning, and you know, about a year removed from playing, I do my dry swings in the mirror, and I'd be like, "What am I doing?" You know, um, I, I honestly we talk about this um, you know it's funny we talked about this when uh, we were we were trying to search for other you know opportunities uh, it's it's tough to say because like so much of my life has been spent doing college baseball you know uh, before I uh, before I moved to Texas I'm not gonna tell you I was a useless <laughs> as a human being but uh, I couldn't fix anything I couldn't build anything uh, cooking expertise was minimal uh but you know it's funny i i I had an opportunity i've learned a lot from uh my pitching coach coach bartosh in terms of like building stuff you know and so i would say that when you can actually build stuff uh and maintain equipment and that kind of stuff i it's like really rewarding work you know uh i i've i've built a i've built some stuff uh built the the equipment shed in our uh (laughs) <laughs> in our indoor facility and i'm so proud of it
1: <laughs> no i believe it i understand 100
0: <laughs> but uh it's just i guess my thing is like, like you know you work with your hands and there's just something satisfying about you build something and you look at it and you're able to know it, you made it better and uh i i'd say i don't i'm not telling you i go back to carpentry school but uh i would definitely think about it because it's 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 a definitely different kind of rewarding you know when you work with your hands um I, I like cutting the grass. I'm I'm pretty good at that. So you know, as college baseball coach, that's your skill set. Uh, I'd say fundraising, cutting the grass, hopefully building stuff. Uh, that's probably where where I'd end up, just out of uh, you know sheer necessity. But um, but man, I love it. I, I it, when it when it's when it's tough, it's tough in the moment. But like you said, if you ask me about doing something else, I just you know, I can't picture it, you know?
1: All right. Well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for, for taking some time.
0: Hey, Nick, I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. I, I, um, I, there's so much good baseball in, in our country, and the NAI is uh, – it's, it's, such, it's such a unique experience, too, and it, and it, and it, and it deserves the coverage that, it, that it's getting.
1: All right. That's it for this edition of the podcast. As always, thank you a ton for listening. Please come back and listen to further episodes. And if you haven't had a chance, go back and check out some of the old ones from 2020. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, please let me know. Till next time. Bye. High fly ball deep to left center field. It's going. It is going. It's goodbye.
0: That one was tagged, Mickey.